I'm Bonnie Jill Laughlin with the Weekly Pass, joined by my co-host, Adam Copeland. Now, Copes, you got one of my favorites. I mean, I'm literally genuinely saying he is one of my favorite basketball players of all time. David Robinson, the Admiral, first pick overall in the 1987 draft, 10-time NBA All-Star, two-time NBA champion, two-time Olympic gold medal winner, two-time NBA basketball Hall of Fame inductee. I mean, I could keep going and going. Well, you David. didn't mention that he's jacked. He's like, a, I mean, he's, he was oh, the he was arms, ripped. the yeah, arms the on arms. David Robinson. Oh man, well they're not like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on today. It's it's fun to be here. Now you've been doing a lot with the community. Now you know, um, obviously in the San Antonio uh, community, you've been doing so much outside of basketball. Yeah, you know, my passion has been education, and and even while I was playing, you know, I always saw basketball as kind of a great platform, right? You could. You know, you you got the eyes, you got the attention, so why not use it for something positive? And, um, you know, growing up in the D.C. area, going to school at, at, the, at Annapolis, I saw a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of kids who had a choice between you know, doing drugs or get your education. And uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of them didn't make good choices. So uh, when I got to San Antonio, I said, well, I'm going to do whatever I can about that. So we started a school, and, you know, here we are 20 years later, and uh, we have uh, – almost a hundred schools and we're growing like crazy. So really fun stuff. Now, David, I want to talk about your military career. I mean, the Admiral, I mean, I didn't realize this. So you were six, eight when you got into the Naval Academy and you're two inches above the height limit, but I guess you received some kind of waiver or something like that from the superintendent and you even considered leaving the Academy. Can you walk us kind of through that? Cause I had no idea about that. Yeah. You know, when I yeah, came out of high school, I grew 15 inches over five years. So oh, I was five, nine, I think as a ninth grader. And then by the time I was a senior, I was six, seven, I weighed 172 pounds. And um, when I went to the Naval Academy, I was just under six, eight. And so, yes, the height limit is six, six, but five uh, percent uh, of each incoming class can get a waiver up to six, eight. So I got uh-huh. that waiver. And uh, little did I know I was going to grow six more inches and gain 60 pounds over the next two years. So it, it, it dramatically increased the, my ability to play basketball. So if you didn't go into the NBA, David, were you what was going to be your MOS or your career in, um, in the military? I was a civil engineer, so okay. I ended up spending two years active duty, and that's that's what I did. I worked at a, a submarine base, brand new submarine base down in Kings Bay, Georgia, wow. and wow. basically handled contracts and construction. So they gave me some projects. They said, "Well, we need street lights. Can you get them in place?" I said, "Sure." Uh, they had, I handled an explosives handling wharf for them, and and uh, so basically kind of took the contract and negotiated it and, and managed it all the way through to completion. So, really fun experience. So you're six eight and then seven one on a submarine, David. <laughs> yeah, well, I just on a submarine base. We were building. Okay, submarine. okay. So yeah, I spent a little bit of time actually one, one summer on on four different uh, subs, and it was yeah, it was a little difficult. So they yeah, had me it's in claustrophobic the in there. They said, yeah, they said you sleep here by the missiles, huh? So mm, not so sure I like that one. <laughs> I just let you in a silo. You were so tall, man. That's the way. Just, just squeeze <laughs> yeah. you in there, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, the Navy, yeah. it, it doesn't really go with the big height, you know. Right. Well, well, I love that you went to Navy because this is sort of a, a I, I have a, a cousin who's in the Navy now and it's it's changed her life and saved her life. But for the last couple of years, I've got to uh, had an opportunity to go out and cover the Army Navy game in Philadelphia, which is oh, I mean, it's oh, it's become one of the most patriotic moments or, or parts of my life. I love being a part of that. And I got an opportunity to talk to I don't know. Were you were you classmates or did you know Napoleon McC- McCallum when you were uh, at Navy? 
Yeah, we weren't classmates, but yeah, we were there at the same time. He was a class of '85, and uh, he, uh, you know, really good guy, uh, and and was a great NFL prospect to be honest. But you know, had to kind of wait it out a little bit, and um, and at that time, I think the Navy didn't really have a solid policy on how to handle guys like him or me, to be honest with you. And I think now, you know, they since they've had a couple of people uh, who've come through who have been good prospects for pro sports. I think it's a little bit easier now when people come through. There, there's at least a, a path. But back in the day, they really didn't know what to do with us. And there was a lot of people who would complain about, oh, you get a free education, not, you know, you, 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 you need to serve. And, and I think now they realize that, you know, after, you know, 30 years that, um, you know, me being in the, in the NBA and having my career was way more beneficial than them having me in a submarine tucked away somewhere. (laughs) So I I think we've had a great relationship. I've served on the board at the Naval Academy now for, you know, for many years uh, on the foundation board and, and, and uh, on the uh, distinguished graduate committee and have been able to do commercials and, and, and things for the Navy. And so I, I, you know, it's been a wonderful, wonderful relationship now for 30 years. And I, and I think, you know, they've seen that, that that's far more beneficial than, you know, tucking you some way where away at a base. Well, both you and Napoleon have been awesome ambassadors for that. You both ended up playing professionally. So what was your, your, you said it was, it was a little different back then, obviously than the path they have now you get drafted number one overall in 1987. But as you said, you did two years of service before you ever played an NBA game. What were those two years? Like, what was your relationship with the San Antonio Spurs? And what's that process like for those of us who, who aren't aware of how that system works? Yeah, so when I when I graduated in '87, um, you know, yeah, I was the first pick that year. Uh, but with my two year commitment, I wasn't able to play until the '89 90 uh, season. Uh, and so I was, you know, like I said, I was stationed down in Kings Bay, Georgia, and I had to kind of work out a little by myself. And uh, and and fortunately, the Olympics was in '88, so I got a chance to play on that Olympics team and stay stay current, stay fresh. Um, and and so you know that was basically those two years um waiting around trying to stay in shape uh 89 90 came around uh and since the spurs had drafted me two years earlier um i had signed a contract with them and and so i was ready to go came down to san antonio uh kind of got back in shape and and uh, had a good rookie year to get started what do you make of the the uh, well? I, w- I want to go back just a second. We were talking about your the start of your career and and the achievements that you mm-hmm. were able to put forth and and accomplish near even the end in the championship. But I'm looking at just some of your accolades. You're one of five guys ever. I guess it's four guys. Five times of the quadruple double. Oh, this God, is something that, as a yeah. kid that we love to talk about. Against the Pistons. Yeah, one of my favorite things. Yeah. I mean, what is that like? The, the NBA has grown uh, exponentially since the time that you played. I mean, it's it's maybe the number one sport, maybe number two behind the NFL. But you've you've done something that very few other guys have done, and the others that have done it are Hall of Fame mm-hmm. caliber players. Uh, can you can you run us through the the quadruple double day for you? <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, you know, it's amazing. It's one of those things you don't really, you know, you're not tracking, obviously. You, right, right. You, know, you can't try to do it. I mean, it's it's something that kind of has to come organically. But uh, but you know, I knew I knew generally I was going to block some shots, and and uh, at that time, I you know I passed the ball quite a bit. So you know, the assist thing is a was you know a possibility. <laughs> So you think points, rebounds, block shots, assists, uh, you know, it, it, and and so yeah, to to be able to do that, it, it is it's yeah, unique. I, I was very happy to be able to be you know part of kind of such a small club of people to be able to do it. But 
you know, probably more lucky than anything else, you know. Well, well and now, we, humble. now I wouldn't be, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be as, as impressed anymore today because now it's like you can pass to a guy, he can take three or four dribbles, and they'll give you an assist for it. I'm like, back when you played, it seems like yeah, you had to lead him to the hoop, right? And you got these guys like Giannis, you know, who's, you know, he's putting up, you know, 30 and 15 and, you know, eight assists every single night. You would think, you know, a guy like that could be able to pull, pull it off. So, I mean, it, yeah, nowadays with the stats people are putting up and, you know, there's a lot of shots going up. So there's going to be a lot of rebounds and it's a faster paced game. It's a higher scoring game. So, so it's, yeah, it's very interesting now. I, I never could have dreamed somebody like Westbrook would come along and average a triple double. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about. Now let's get into the Twin Towers. Tim Duncan, your other half of the Twin Towers, is now coaching or will replace Pop for one game. Talk about your thoughts on seeing old boy out there coaching. <laughs> yeah, oh man, I you know didn't didn't know what to expect with Timmy coming out there to coach, but but you know I guess it was it should I should have expected it because he and Pop just have such a great relationship, almost almost like a father son relationship. And um, you know, with last year, you know, went to Pop's uh, wife's funeral, and I know that was hard transition for him and so i mean the two of them together kind of makes sense you know they they're they're really encouraging each other and they're just really really good together so um so i, I suppose i should have expected it but um but yeah timmy is he's, he's at home on a basketball court man he, he loves it he lives it he's uh ever since i've known him he just he, he loves being out there so uh yeah i i think it's a wonderful thing and they both seem very happy right now and let's talk about the Twin Towers when you guys played the front court for the Spurs 1997-2003. Both of you guys were first overall picks. What did you think about Tim Duncan when you first uh, played with him? Man, I, I saw him when I was playing in the Olympics. Uh, I think it was 90, what, 96, I guess. But no, 90. When, when did he come in? <laughs> I don't even, my, my memory. Um, yeah, it was 96. So I saw him. We played uh, against a college team in uh, an exhibition game. And Timmy was incredible. Uh, we uh, we had three centers. It was me and Akeem Olajuwon and Patrick Ewing. And Timmy just went to work. And uh, I think he had like 22 and 10 in that exhibition game. And I, and I thought, man, this kid is going to be incredible. Of course, not thinking that we would ever be low enough to be able to draft first. Yeah. And then I got hurt that next year and wasn't able to play for eight, you know, 76 games out of the 82. And we ended up drafting first, and, and, and I just thought, wow, people have no idea how good this guy is. And the two of us together have, you know, opportunity to do something really, really special. And fortunately, yeah, it, it all turned out great. I mean, he came to San Antonio, and we became fast friends, almost brothers, you know. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for a kind of a better compliment between two guys who, you know, neither one of us cared about attention or headlines. We just wanted to do well, and we wanted to win. And two championships, something that kind of pissed me off. I don't know if you saw this recently, David, but uh, Richard Jefferson called out, I, I couldn't believe this, Tim Duncan, I don't know if you saw this, and said that Tim Duncan has been carried by people his entire life, from, you know, Parker to Nobly Pop. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. That's my reaction. Can you believe this guy would say that about Tim Duncan? Well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not sure he was watching the same games I was watching. Yeah. Tim is a monster. Right. And, yeah, I mean, you, everybody relied on Tim. I mean, Tim was a... You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, is, was it a good situation for him to come into the Spurs and and kind of not have any pressure on him? Yeah, I mean, a little bit, but come on, <laughs> Tim, in my opinion, is one of the top five players ever. And I mean, from what he's done, his resume, you could put it against any person who's ever played, and it would stand very strong. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, 
I don't know why Richard would have said that. Yeah. You know, maybe he wasn't there long enough with Tim to really appreciate what Tim brought to the table. But, but no, he he led. He was a, he was a leader. He was a f- phenomenal player. And I mean, he was an assassin. I mean, he he had the mentality of a Michael Jordan. Or I mean, just one of those guys. You you have to come out and beat him. And and he was not going. He was not going to let that happen easily. You know, it's funny is is we were uh, we listening to some sound the other day, and I think it was Kevin Garnett maybe was was commenting about some of the best trash talkers <laughs> from what he played. And it was so funny because he mentioned that Tim Duncan was one of the the best trash talkers, he thought, because he wasn't vulgar with you. He wouldn't bark at you, but he'd be like, oh, nice try. Uh, maybe next time. Try again. Yeah, maybe, don't, don't, try, try again next yeah, time you come down. Key, you know, he's low key. He's, he has fun with it. I, you know, and that's, that's what, that's what makes it great. You know, when you have guys out there that, you know, they're not going to let you get away with anything, but at the same time, you know, it's good natured. That, that's when it's fun. I mean, it's, some guys kind of get on your nerves a little bit, but, but yeah. yeah, Tim's not one of them. So, so, so who were those guys like yeah. for you? I mean, you, you seem like you were such a calm, cool, collected guy out oh, there. You so were a competitor. You were, yeah, exactly. That's the word I'm looking for. You had so much class, class and so did, so did Tim Duncan. Those guys who were, there's guys that are chirping in your ear all the time and then, you know, really shouldn't have been saying anything, but you know, I, I mean, there, and there was great players too. I mean, Reggie Miller is mm-hmm. a guy who just would get up and underneath your skin yeah. and, you know, Gary Payton, another guy, just get underneath your skin, man. Cause you know, they were so good, but at the same time, just kind of just annoying. They just get, <laughs> get on you and keep talking and talking. You'd be like, shut up, just shut up. <laughs> you, know? But they, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, but everyone's motivated differently. Right. So some, mm-hmm. some guys need to have some, some, you know, beef to kind of get themselves going. Some guys just are self-driven and, you know, so you, you just real you recognize how guys are. You know, you play the jazz. Those guys never said two words to you. You know, it was Carl Malone and John Stockton, yeah. and they just came at you with a fury. But they didn't say anything, you know, anything bad to you. But, but boy, you know, you'd get kicked and tripped and punched in the game. You'd be like, man, these guys are, are animals. Uh, so, you know, so you knew either way you're going to have to show up. Whether they said something or not, it didn't matter. It, it all came down to were you going to play today or not. I love talking about the, the guys you played with back then because uh, that was my childhood. I grew up in the 90s, so watching basketball then, that's what, what sort of shaped my fandom. So I wonder, like, the obviously the game has evolved. The game has changed. Some people would say the game is broken. I disagree with that. But I wonder, from your day where you were a big bang in center, you had guys like Shaq, Olajuwon's around, you just mentioned Carl Malone. What do you make of that position, the center position, and how it's evolved and sort of developed now into uh, you don't see a lot of these guys on the floor at the end of the games. They're out there kind of early, and then you you mix and match. You go a little small ball. What do you think of the way the game is played today? Uh, well, there's no question it's 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 changing. But but I think it's like anything else, right? It cycles. Or, you know, I mean, sometimes the big guy is in, and some guy is the big guy. Sometimes he's not. And this just happens to be a time when, you know, people are playing the odds. They're shooting the threes. It's a faster-paced game. The big guy's roles are very limited nowadays. And um, not to say they're less valuable. It's just uh, uh, going to be a limited role on a lot of teams. And, and so it's, it's calling for a different skill set for the big guys. You know, now you got to be a shooter um, and block shots and be able to run the floor. Big, slow guys don't really have as much of a place in the game right now. But I think it'll rotate back. You know, once – it's always about defense. I mean, I don't care what people say. I mean, you know, Golden State was a great defensive team. You know, they got after you. And they had a lot of guys who were, were just fantastic. And, you know, even though they were an exciting offensive team, they made stops when they needed to. So it's always going to be about that defense. And, and it never hurts to have good big guys around that rim. Uh, so I think it, you know, big guys will come back in favor. Now, David, I want to go back uh, March 2nd, about 21 years ago, the Popovich win or be fired game happened. I mean, 
David, were they really going to fire Pop if y'all lost? And I, everyone wants to know. I want to know. What did you say to the team during that huddle? Because I know no one seems to know, but you got into the huddle and you kind of said some words. <laughs> Come on, David. Too long ago. But, you know, I mean, you know, you know how this game is. I mean, you know, there's always a lot of chatter and yeah. you never know what's what's real and what's not real. But, you know, Pop, Pop, from the time he came in, you know, there was that first year or two was was a little dicey. I mean, obviously waiting for Tim to get there, you know, you, you, you know, it was a, you know, the way Bob Hill left and then was just a, you know, the fans were not sure how they felt about it, but, you know, Pop won everybody over. And, and obviously now you know, it's hard to even look back. It's hard to even remember those days. Right. That's you look back at all the success he's had. Yeah. Yeah, 20, 20 something years, and 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 now you it's sort of like Coach K, you know, at mm-hmm. Duke, they were going to fire him early on too, right? right. So you, know, you look back and you're like, mm, okay, yeah, I don't <laughs> think I even remember those days. When you when you look at the the San Antonio Spurs, and and like I know in sports we always try to make comparisons. I think I look at them as the New England Patriots, right? Like they're they're constantly competitive. Uh, Greg Popovich is the Bill Belichick type mind. Um, and I always think of this as, as like a culture thing. What was the culture like, and is that something that he built himself? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge culture thing, and I think there was just there was a lot of people that uh, that contributed to that culture. Um, and you know, Pop and R.C. Buford were you know two of them, uh, having owners like Red McCombs and um, and uh, you know now Peter Holt uh, and the Holt family. Um, they had they contributed to that. I think the players that came through there contributed to that. Um, you know, me being able to pass it on to Tim and, and Manu and Tony and those guys are all high quality, high character people. And so, so to have a culture where that's valued uh, is a is a huge deal. I mean, our locker room was a phenomenal place to be, and for a while, you know, people were taking less money to come be in our locker room, which is it shows you how powerful culture can be and what an impact you can have. Um, and you know, right now we're in a bit of a rebuilding mode, but um, but for you know twenty twenty something years, twenty four years or something, to have the run we've had is just is just mind boggling. Well, it speaks volumes about the guys who have spent the entirety of their careers there. Guys mm-hmm. like you and Tim Duncan and Manu. What did that mean to you? Because it's it's I know we say this frequently when there's there's players who have spent their entire career with one one team or in one city, but it's a, a dying breed. Was that important to you to to play your entire career in San Antonio? Absolutely. You know, you build something and it's, and, and you feel like, um, you know, you had, a, you had a hand in building something very special. Um, you know, I, I don't have anything against guys who go to other teams and are, you know, play more of that kind of mercenary role. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, you, you know, sometimes you're chasing the money makes sense, but, um, but you know, it's something, there's something special about having, um, having built something. And, and so I, I mean, I would say that the guys that have been through San Antonio, have felt that whether, you know, you can even look at guys like Doc Rivers. I mean, I get a chance to talk to him a lot and just even the few years that he was there, you know, the, the time that he was there kind of meant a lot to him or, or, or Steve Kerr or, you know, now all the coaches that are out in other places um, that the, the culture there kind of is, it, it, it makes it enjoyable. I mean, you know, it's, it, uh, I don't know. I, it's, it, I think it's very special. And I think the people that have been through it feel like it, it means something. Uh, David, two more before I let you go. We got to talk about your son, Justin, who's playing at Duke. <laughs> yeah, <J-Rod>. um, <laughs> incredible. So, did he want to follow in your footsteps to go into Navy, or how did you choose Duke? And uh, tell us about that process. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I, I think he, um, you know, he kind of grew into his body coming out of high school. He was like six, seven, six, eight, and um, 
you know, but not, a, not I mean, I was always kind of more of a big, big guy, played big. And, and Justin had a different skill set. You know, he's a more of a shooter, um, still a great shot blocker and, and other skills, but, but much more of a swing man type. And so, um, you know, playing at Duke is no joke, right? Every day, every year you're going to play, you know, you play behind Brandon Ingram, then you play behind uh, Jason Tatum, then you play behind Zion Williamson. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, he's had, a, he's had a bit of a, a challenging path, but man, his, just his fortitude and his, his toughness has just amazed me. And, and now, you know, he's getting a chance to contribute in his fifth year um, and be a part of, uh, be a part of this team and be a leader for this team. And I've just been so proud of him. I, I we've had so much fun. And so, yeah, I mean, I think he'd like to, I mean, who wouldn't like to play in the pro? I think he'd like to, um, and we'll see how that goes. You know, he's, he's walking away from Duke with a master's degree in, uh, in May and man, you, how can you, how could you ever complain about that? Right. How often do you get down there and have you instilled any, or any advice that he's asked from, from dad? He doesn't listen to my advice. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I got Coach K. I'll ask him, yeah. <laughs> he knows me way too well to listen to anything I say. Um, no, he's, you know what, he's been, uh, and he's, you know, he's around a phenomenal staff. Coach K and that staff are just, they, they do a great job developing young men into, into, into grown men. So, yeah, you know, I think he, Justin, and I don't blame him. You know, I think he's tried to have his own, you know, make his own stand and be his own man. And I, I respect that about him. I, when he when he told me, he said, Dad, um, uh, I asked him, what, what number are you going to take when you get to Duke? And I knew he would not take my number. And he <laughs> sent back a picture. He sent back a picture of his jersey and it said 5-0 Robinson on it. And a tear came in my eye. I was like, oh, my gosh, no way. Aww. And so, he, yeah, I was I was shocked he picked 50 and, and, and – uh, I mean, he just he surprises me at every turn, just with his courage and with with his smarts. And uh, man, I I have just I almost feel like you know I'm so proud of him. I feel like I almost I've gone through this time with him. So so uh, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what's the next phase for him. Now, last thing before we let you go, David, you know you're in the Navy, one of the best players that ever do it, and now you're an investment capital businessman. Where did this come about? Are we going to see you on Shark Tank or something? Yeah, Shark Tank. What's up? You talk to I, I want to see David Robinson on Shark Tank. Yeah, Mar- argue with Mark Cuban or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it started with those two years in the Navy. The Navy did a great job, yeah. kind of training me and teaching me how to be in the office and and uh, be a part of a team. And and I think that actually some of the lessons I learned in that office translated to what building the team at the Spurs. And then now coming mm-hmm. back to the office and back to business and, you know, specifically started in the private equity and the investment side and, uh, and, and have a great team, great partner in Dan Vasquez. He's from, from Goldman Sachs. And um, so yeah, it's always about finding the right guys, right? You get your, get your Tim Duncan next mm-hmm. to you and uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the right team and, and man, you can have incredible success. So here we are like 12 years later and doing phenomenal, uh, phenomenally well, um, you know, doing, getting, looking at a third fund and, and uh, tons of investments, a lot, billion and a half in, in assets under management, just an amazing group of guys. So, uh, yeah, transition from, uh, from sports to business. It's been fun. Well, that was fun talking to you, David. Like I said, you're my all-time favorite. You're not going to remember this, but when Jerry Buss got inducted into the Hall of Fame, I was there, and you were there, and I, you know, Jerry's getting ready for a speech, and I'm tugging on Jerry's you know, jacket because I worked for Lakers for 12 years. I've got to meet David Robinson. He's like, BJ, right now? I go, yes, please. I don't know if you remember this. I, I went and like, took a picture with you and talked to you, and I'm like, you're my all-time favorite. So it was such a pleasure to have you on the show today. 
that's awesome. Thanks for having me on today. He was awesome. Was and I'm not, I'm, he literally was my like one of my favorites growing up. Yeah, the MJs and Magic, but David Robinson, something about the way he handled himself on the court with such class, the jacked you know, arms. The, the jacked arms is one of them, but you said it. Hope, you said class was the, God, was the term. You know, and he yeah. did it all, you know, and he was just the way that, you know, and, and then the way he embraced him dunking because, you know, some guys, you know, in this day and age would be like, no, I don't want him, you know, taking over. Taking my position. Right. Yeah. You know, the Twin Towers and the success and what he did in the Navy and then off the court, all the charity. I mean, how can you not love this guy? Well, and, and you know, when Tim Duncan got there, obviously he made the Spurs a whole lot better. Oh, and then yeah. David Robinson won his title on the way out with Tim Duncan right? there. And he doesn't get that title without Tim Duncan. That changes the legacy for guys. Um, and you're right. For him to embrace him, I think it speaks to the kind of man he is. It speaks to the mm-hmm. kind of player that he was. Uh, and again, the the we used to always talk about it as I was a kid. The quadruple double was oh, insane. God, ten blocks, huge. ten assists. Yes. Uh, I think he had 25, 35 game. points in the game or something. Ted Reeb. Remember how humble he was? I mean, throughout. If you really think about it, majority of the Spurs players are all very humble. But you that's know, why it's a culture thing. That's yeah. what we were talking about. Is he saying Greg Popovich sure helped create this culture? And you got to get the right guys in. And I think mm-hmm. you and I here in the Bay Area. We talk about this with the Warriors so frequently. They want specific types of guys that are going to help them win championships and are going to make you successful. And David Robinson was a a key cog in the start of that culture around uh, Greg Popovich. And that was that team. I mean, you think about it. Even now, they've always been that team. Even when they won championships, they would fly under the radar. No one would talk about them. They would talk about the Lakers. They were talking about the Celtics. They never talked about the Spurs. And every year, where were they? Right there. Right there. Am I right, though? And maybe because it was a small market or what it was or because of the players being so humble and they didn't have a lot of showboats and – they always flew under the radar and would win a championship. They bookended the Kobe and Shaq runs, yeah. right? So they win titles in that era. They win titles again in the the LeBron era mm-hmm. with the Miami Heat. I think they they were in there too when the the Pistons were getting hot right. again. The the Ben Wallace and Rasheed. Yeah, Wallace they won the one championship. Deshaun, the Lakers, so yeah, yeah, they that sort of that sort of all. It's so funny. They won titles over all those eras, and the the key component in all those, Popovich and Duncan, yeah. and then, of course, Manu and Tony right. Parker, but it all started with David Robinson. Yeah, I love him, and I love his reaction to Richard Jefferson calling out Tim Duncan. Just la- we would have laughed laugh. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to laugh in his laugh, because yeah. I was like, this is a good laugh. we got to let him go, but it was such a joke that he said T- uh, uh, Tim Duncan has is been carrying his whole career. I'm like, <laughs> I, can bo- I mean, it's kind of shocking. Why three finals them. MVPs? What else we got to say? Doesn't that lo- don't you lose your credibility well, as an analyst would, well, at that point? Somebody would carry me to three finals MVPs. <laughs> piece you know <laughs> well that was fun i love him i've been wanting to get him on the show just because i'm a big fan so that was great another hall of famer and you'll catch him more next week on the weekly pass i'm bonnie jill Laughlin. i'm adam copeland see ya